What's up, everyone? How's everyone's day going? My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And I'm a saguaro cactus, thriving in Arizona, healthy and strong. And I'm a prickly pear cactus, and I'm dead. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Um, so how's your day going, Paige? What's up? I'm feeling good. I had a Cubano for dinner again, so... I mean, can't complain about that. I am also, if any of the fans out there listen to the Office Ladies podcast, I think I might be stupid. Um, this whole time, I thought the new episodes came out on Tuesday. And every every Tuesday, I'm checking, like, in the morning, it's not there. In the afternoon, it's not there. The evening, it's not there. And then I get up Wednesday morning, and it's there. And I'm like, wow, they're really late with the episode this week. And I feel like the episodes might come out on Wednesday. If anyone knows, if you could let me know, that would be great. Because I feel like I'm just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Like, do they not, like, say anywhere? Like, new episodes on blah, blah, blah. They don't. And I just, I feel like I remembered one day that a new episode came out on Tuesday. And I think I just ran with it. But maybe I'm just misremembering it. I don't know. But they don't say any days in the podcast. So I've just kind of been listening to the new ones when they come out. And I've only recently hit the point where... I have to listen to them on a weekly basis. I was just listening to them to catch up. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure this whole podcast thing out. I don't really know a lot about it. Not yeah. really. I'm kidding. I'm, that's not true. That was clearly sarcasm. Also, um, not mentioning the name of, or the, like, day of your podcast at all times. Can't relate. Couldn't be me. The name literally has the day. Wouldn't it be so chaotic if we, like, released episodes on Fridays or something? <laughs> I don't think we'd have any fans. You're right. Also, if you guys, listeners, hear this clangle, 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 this is the sound of my misery clanging around in this glass. Yes, I'm drinking. No, it's not your business. I'm just kidding. You're literally listening because I'm making it your business. Um, I'm just stressed about work, and whiskey helps. That's all. That's a really good point. And if you're not into whiskey, there's plenty of other things out there. <laughs> they literally make margaritas. Those are so good. I mean, it's all sugar. It is 100% sugar. But you know what? You know what I've heard from m me and other people? Sugar is really tasty. <laughs> Says the diabetic. The best margaritas are 50% sugar, 50% tequila. Also, I just want to say when COVID's over, if that ever happens... I am literally sprinting my ass into a Mexican restaurant. I don't even like Mexican food, but I love chips and salsa, and I love margaritas, and that's all I'm going to get. Okay, two things. One, I am getting my first COVID vaccine this Thursday. I finally got in, everyone. Woo! And two, once I'm fully vaccinated, and once you're fully vaccinated, there is literally nothing, and I am saying nothing, stopping us from hanging out either at your house or my house, huge, huge, and I'm talking huge bowl of chips, maybe Tostitos scoops, maybe just regular, maybe blue corn tortilla, who knows? But just bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl of different salsas, maybe I'll make guac. I know that Chipotle guac recipe, I know it, and I don't mind leaking it. If anyone wants the recipe, just message me, I'll leak it to you. Um, and just feasting. And you know what? We can make margaritas. We can get the pre-made. We can make our own. Who knows? All I'm saying is there's nothing stopping us from eating nothing but chips and salsa and consuming copious amounts of margarita. I am so there. Also, for the listeners, the whole time Paige was talking, I was shimmying my boobs back and forth at the camera because I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Those knockers were shaking. <laughs> this was pretty supportive, so it could have been better. But, you know, I'm still in my work clothes. That's how I podcast now. I'm a professional business bitch. I literally even ironed this shirt last night. I almost spit my drink out when you said that. I, that's the thing. It's, I feel the same way about having a LinkedIn. It's just, there's a couple things in my life that I just, I cannot acquiesce. I cannot, because I just feel like I can't do it. I will, I feel like I will never learn how to iron. I'll just, I'll just be wrinkly. Maybe I'll buy the Febreze wrinkle remover. I don't know. But I just, I'm too afraid of burning a hole in a piece of clothing that I like. And I just won't make a LinkedIn. I just won't do it. I got a message today, or not today, but like maybe 
a week ago or a week and a half that was like, you've had one view on your profile in the past month. And I was like, did I make a LinkedIn profile? I didn't even know. But all it said was I work at Chipotle and one person viewed it this month. So damn, it's not good. I don't care about that. So (laughs) I support the LinkedIn thing. However, when we have our Mexican food party, I'm going to bring my iron. I'm going to show you how fucking easy it is. I don't think they like make irons anymore that like could burn through clothes. Truly. I have an iron. Personally, or is it Millie's? Neither. It was left by a previous roommate, and I took it. Damn. So it is yours now, technically. Technically, yes. I have a lot of things, like pots and pans, and um, a couch. Well, I half paid for the couch, but I did not pay the roommate for the other half of the couch. It's just mine now. Love that. I mean, if they're going to leave it, that's their own business. Mm-hmm. I've slept on it more times than she has, so... I've slept on that couch. Pretty comfy. It is very comfortable. Actually, the couch that you slept on is Millie's. Mine is the brown couch. Uh, Well, tell Millie I like her couch. I'll let her know. (laughs) Pass that on. So, folks, this week we read Chapter 13 of Midnight Sun. We're scooting along in this book. I think we're, like, probably not quite halfway yet, but um, it's called Another Complication. What did you think of this chapter, Paige? We got what I predicted. Everything that I predicted was pretty much there, I would say. I mean, it wasn't wasn't the deepest dive into Quileute that I wanted, but I think it did give me a good look into a perspective that I did not see in Twilight when it comes to Jacob and his family. Um, Because Edward can read minds, you kind of see what's going on in Billy's mind. And I wasn't really expecting that aspect like especially especially that specific thing like what Billy was worried about the whole time and I thought it was really good I did really enjoy this chapter it was what I wanted and it gave me a little extra that I wasn't expecting nice I love that I liked it too it was fun and also kind of like ah at the same time you're right yeah I can't deny that (laughs) So the last chapter left off, um, if you'll remember, with the Collins all at the house and Edward kind of dealing with the fallout from Bella knowing the truth about their family. So this chapter begins with Edward going back to Bella's room to do his favorite hobby of watching her creepily while she sleeps. And this I this is so creepy because she's like unable to sleep very well and she literally gets up multiple times and doesn't know he was there. If I woke up and saw him in, saw my crush in there that I was like in love with, I would still be like, what the fuck get out? No way. I feel like if I saw any human being, even if it was like Josh Hutcherson, I would be a dead person. I would be screaming. Yeah, Josh Hutcherson. We're still on that gravy train, people. I will never forget him. Do you know about the story? See, this this tells you how deep into YouTube of Josh Hutcherson I went. The story about when a fan showed up at his house in Kentucky on Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I don't know how she got his address, but she literally showed up with her mom and was, like, knocking on the door. And he was like, I'm trying to, like, have Thanksgiving with my family. <laughs> I just, why would you come with your mom? As the mom, why did you let it happen? That's what I want to know. For real, that's bad parenting. (laughs) Yeah, it was hard to get my mom to make up a lie why I couldn't hang out with people. (laughs) I I don't know. I just, just getting your mom to go along with something like that is insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my mom was rattled tonight when I called her to ask her if I could put this giant pork roast that I defrosted just the very edge of back into the freezer safely (laughs) she was extremely annoyed (laughs) look different moms for different people (laughs) different strokes for different folks right I was trying to make a rhyme but I couldn't think of anything good on the spot do you ever like you're so tired that you close your eyes and only one closes because that just happened to me I like tried to blink but only one blinked (laughs) I think that you need to make a doctor's appointment I think daylight savings time needs to go to hell. I mean, I like it. I like the the result, 
I don't like the process. I like the results the first time of the year. I like when I get more sunlight during the day. That's now. Oh, I guess, is daylight savings, is there a different word for what happens in the fall? It ends in the fall. Okay, I guess it's like an on and off kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just, all I like is getting more sunlight. I don't, I don't like the idea of things changing. I don't like the idea of the government stealing an hour of my sleep. I just don't like it. The government. Yeah, this is the one where you get more sunlight, which is great results. But the process of me getting up for work at what my body thinks is 4 a.m., not a huge fan. Having to feed the cats at 7.30 instead of 6.30, they don't like it. They didn't sign up for this. They Their lives are unchanged, but they have to wait an extra hour to be fed. No, thank you. They're all irate. Don't like it. Don't like it a bit. So we were going to talk about Twilight at some point. Um, okay. So he's creeping in her room. Bella gets up a couple times, like get a glass of water and she doesn't see him because he's just sitting in the corner in her closet, like a fucking creep. And then when like the sun starts to rise, he goes and like sits in a tree outside and he marvels again at like Charlie and how he can't read his mind. And he's like, Oh, I wish his parents were still alive because he just wants to, like, keep exploring this, like, weird trait that Bella has. And once Charlie leaves, he pulls into the driveway in his car. Edward does, I mean. And Bella gets in and gets in the car and he says, you look tired. Which I just want to say, you look tired is one of the worst things you can say to people. Do not say that ever. Or, like, are you feeling okay? Like, you look sick. Like, what's wrong? Nothing. This is just the way that I look. (laughs) The only time it would be acceptable to say something like that is if you li- if your friend literally looks like that one, I, d- I don't even know his name, but that one British royal who literally looks like a reanimated corpse. You know the one I'm talking about. Philip or something? I, I'm 100% sure that it's Philip. Or that one, like, puppet fox that's sitting in a chair. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Dude, I literally was that fox this morning. I was so tired that I had the stares. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you just start staring at things, thinking about nothing. And I was sitting on my bed, like staring at the wall. Yep. (laughs) Been there, done that. So, Bella says she couldn't sleep and they just have a little laugh because Edward's like, ha neither could I. So then this begins the round of interrogations that... Edward has that we know he has from Twilight but it's kind of cool because in Twilight she kind of just skips over it like we don't get Bella's answers to anything really and in Midnight Sun we get her answers on pretty much everything because Edward is so interested so it makes sense that he like processes them all yeah I realized that I wanted to mention that in things that I liked about this chapter and then I forgot about it but I literally this part is like less than a paragraph in Twilight but in this chapter it's multiple pages long which I really loved and also you just get a fun look into Bella's just personal interests that some of the things were surprising to me and some of them weren't it was just it was just fun to just read about her more as a person yeah did what was like an answer that really stuck out to you for whatever reason her movies were just kind of just all over the place and they were I liked all of them they were fun I just I didn't none of them really well some of them did but it was just they were all kind of random and just like oh I didn't realize that Bella had such like a comedy interest or something like that so I'm sure we'll get um I'm kind of forgetting some of them but as we get further in I'm sure I'll be reminded of more yeah the one the one that was my favorite was um her favorite candy because she said black licorice and sour patch kids Sour Patch Kids are my favorite candy, and I can't stand black licorice. So I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, my least favorite and my favorite. I felt exactly the same way, except sour gummy worms are my favorite candy. Literally, just bury me. Don't use dirt. Just bury me in blue Sour Patch Kids. If if you're eating candy and you're not choosing the blue color, blue raspberry Jolly Ranchers, blue Sour Patch Kids, blue Warheads. I mean... The blue and pink sour gummy worm. Those are all the best ones. Anything blue is the superior flavor. Blue Laffy Taffy. Mm-hmm. You have a good point. I'm going to get haters for this, but I I kind of like grape. 
flavors. I like grape a lot too. Grape, I, I feel like there is a lot of hate towards grape flavor. I do really, really love it. Grape is really, really good. This is why we're friends. Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with Kool-Aid back in the day. They only made sugar-free cherry and sugar-free grape. So those were, the only, those were the only two flavors I could ever have. So I just became really interested in those flavors. So to this day, I love cherry and I love grape. Huh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Completely unrelated, but I want someone to wring my spine out like a wet towel. <laughs> I was like, who's going to break the silence? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> I wanted to be, like, so Twilight, but I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> we literally just stared at each other. None of us saying anything. (laughs) So awkward. Okay. (sighs) So, yeah, I guess I'll just kind of, like, skim over these answers. Um, Bella says her favorite color is brown, which we actually did get that answer in Twilight. Um, And then she talks about the Linkin Park CD, which later she admits she's like, I don't really like music, which is like, uh, that's serial killer behavior, but okay. Um, She doesn't say that she doesn't like it, but she's like, doesn't have her own taste in it. She just likes whatever her mom used to play. And they obviously have classes in between these, so there's breaks. As Paige said, she talks about her favorite movies, and then she talks about places that she wants to travel, New York, England. And then he asks her what are her favorite places she's ever been. And this answer is, like, kind of sad because she's never, like, really been anywhere outside of like Arizona, New Mexico, and she's like never been out of the country. I don't know. It just makes me sad a little. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I've only, well, I was born out of the country, but I have no memory of that. So I don't necessarily count that as me being out of the country. I've only ever visited Argentina, which was amazing. Um, and it's just, it is a bummer that like not everyone has the opportunity to go to different countries let alone different continents so yeah it it is sad but she does have really nice words for the places that she does really love and it was it was very very pleasant reading all of the nice things she had to say about her home and the things that she does love about the places she's been so that was really nice yeah I agree um Edward kind of has like almost like a deep reflection on this answer on page 271 I was curious what you would think about it because You know, he's kind of reflecting on the fact that she's never really been to that many places. It's towards the top. And he says, this is just internal monologue, so he doesn't say it out loud. But though she'd only had 17 years to explore, I still felt surprised and guilty. She'd seen so little, experienced such a meager amount of what life had to offer. It was impossible that she could truly know what she wanted now. What do you think of that? It makes me feel sad for Edward. I mean, it's to me, it seemed pretty obvious what he was getting at. Like, there's so much to do and so so many places to look at and different paths to go down in your life. And for her to decide right now at 17 that what she's deciding, what she wants with him is the path that she wants when she hasn't even seen Europe. She hasn't even seen Asia. She hasn't been to Australia. She hasn't visited or experienced any of these things where, I mean, I don't really know a lot about Edward or the Cullen's backstories, but like they've all had the opportunity probably to go to all of these different places and see all these different things. She hasn't, she's only had the bare minimum of a taste of what the world offers. Like she could go on a foreign exchange trip to Prague and meet Chauncey and fall in love with him you never know you never know what paths the world will offer you and like for her to decide this crazy thing right here in Forks just to him probably seems like she's giving up so much when she could be checking out so many other things do you agree with him I do I mean in I I think that it can be applied to even just small scale things with people like settling for a small thing when they haven't even tasted a bigger array of things, you know, you can apply it to a lot of things. So I do agree with him. Yeah, I do as well. 
And for me personally, like, I'm not obviously not the most traveled person ever. I've been to like three countries and 30 U.S. states because like the number one thing on my list is to see all 50 states. So I've seen a lot of states, but I just like the worst thing in my brain, not the worst, but like it's sad to me that the people that grow up in one place and never leave that place and just like, you know, end up just like never going anywhere. I don't know. That makes me sad because I feel like it limits your perspective on things and you don't get to learn as much as you possibly could. I 100% agree. Like growing up in a, I would say a fairly closed society. I mean, it was limited to my worldviews, I guess I would say. And then even going off to college in literally the same state, just a completely different town, it was eye-opening. It's like, oh, wow, not everyone thinks this way and not everyone lives this way. And there are so many other types of people out there. It was just, it was crazy. Like I, and I was literally in the same state. It was literally just a different city. And that drastic of a change, like, Imagine going to a completely different country. Imagine going to a completely different continent. Like, there's so many different things going on in the world apart from what is going on in the city that you grew up in. Right. I agree. So a couple times Bella tries to ask Edward questions and he vehemently refuses and won't let her, you know, butt in. He says it's his day to ask. Um, so then she goes over her favorite books, which are pretty predictable, honestly. Um, they're all like British lit, Narnia. Um, actually, some stuff I've never heard of, which is cool. I was going to say she had kind of like a Victorian vibe throughout all of her answers. She seems to be really interested in British, English kind of things. So I, I, not that that means anything. It was just an interesting take on Bella. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so then she talks about music, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. It's pretty much what her mom listened to. She says she doesn't watch TV. And then she says she's not really a sports person. It's like, shocker. (laughs) Um, there's this weird moment where, um, she, like, he asks her favorite gemstone. And we remember this from Twilight. But she says the color of his eyes, even though it's not true. And... I appreciate that he keeps it moving and he doesn't like linger on it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to listen to this conversation, you know? So then um, Edward asks if she's ever played on a sports team. And um, she says, basically she says no, but her mom made her take a dance class, which is foreshadowing to the max. Yeah. I was going to actually point out that literal specific section. Um, let me find exactly where it is so at the very end she says she thought it would be convenient because it was close enough for me to walk there after school but no convenience was worth the mayhem I just thought it was really oh I don't know ironic that she would use the word mayhem to describe this particular ballet studio agreed also I'm sorry Mila is going bonkers on her mouse once again Mila she's got a bonk we just had a stare down and then she just looked back at the mouse and barked it again. She was like, I don't fucking care, bitch. Do you ever feel like your cats literally cuss at you? Because I know for a fact she did like two days ago. I don't. I wish I could talk to Tina, but I don't wish that she could talk to me. Like, yeah, I, she would have some choice words for me and I don't want to hear them. Yeah. I was folding laundry in my room on Sunday and she was like chewing on something on the ground and I was like Mila stop so she like spat it out and I kept folding laundry and then she started chewing on it again and I was like Mila stop and she looked up at me and she was like I was like I know you just said fuck you Tina did a thing the other day where she I have my like where my window is I have a tv stand thing and if you were a cat you could walk on the windowsill But there's no way for you to jump down. You either have to walk backwards or 
knock over everything that's set up on my TV stand, which is a lot of things. And they're like, it's, it's set up in a way that I don't want cats up there. Like you should not be able to get up here, but they find a way they do it. They knock everything over. So she was like, she walked on the windowsill and started to get up there. And I was like, no, 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 get down. So she backed up and got back on the bed and I could see her looking and she took like one or two steps forward. And I was like, stop it. And she stepped back and she looked at me and Tina does this thing where she does clicking with her mouth where she's like, but really, really fast clicky sounds. And she did the shape her mouth would do to make those sounds, but no sound came out. Like I could see her mouth doing the thing, but no sound came out. And I was like, that seemed really angry to me. (laughs) Yeah, she was cussing you out in Tina language. 100%. That's funny. So at this point, they're at lunch, and then they go to biology, and the same goddamn bullshit is going on with the movie. Just gonna pass right over it. And then he walks her to Jim, and he says to himself, this is just a question, another kind of question. And once again, instead of doing something interesting, he just touches her face. With the back of his hand, no less. It's like petting a cat. I don't like it. (laughs) Me neither. Um, So then he meets up with Emmett for Spanish class. And Emmett is trying not to think about something, but Edward sees it anyways. Um, It turns out that the Colons, the Colon kids, I should say, have a bet going about whether or not Edward is going to kill Bella this weekend. Um, And the sides are Jasper and Rosalie are betting yes, and Alice and Emmett are betting no. What did you think about this? I just thought it was fun that the couples were separated. I mean, I it seems appropriate which sides are where. Um, and it also seems appropriate that the kids would be doing this. Like, both Carlisle and Esme are pretty pro Edward having a girlfriend, so they would be not a part of this at all. But it's just fun to see, like, I bet Edward's going to kill his girlfriend. No, he is not. I mean, I know it's not that casual, but it is, it's just a little, like, yeah, they're, like, kind of kids at heart, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Edward is understandably very rattled at this. He ends up calming himself down, but he's real mad at first. And, um, it's funny because on page 278, Edmund the whole time is trying to talk him down. And this is at the top. He says, he's talking about Jasper and he says, he's tired of being the weakest link. You're kind of too perfect with the self-control and it gets annoying. Carlisle's different. Admit it. You're a little smug. I thought that was really interesting that he called Edward smug. I can one, I mean, I think that Edward is smug, but seeing that the, that his closest family also think that he's smug, it clearly shows that I am right. Yeah. Agreed. I was going to ask you if this whole situation changes your opinion of Emmett at all, because as Edward explains, they, at least this is what he thinks. And I don't know if I fully agree with it because as a first person, he's an unreliable narrator, but he basically says that Emmett and like to Emmett and Jasper, Bella's life doesn't matter. Like it's just a story that they'll tell about Edward someday if he kills her. Does that change your opinion of Emmett at all? I don't know if it necessarily does because I know how Emmett feels at the end of the book. I mean, to me, it makes sense at this point. Emmett doesn't seem to take things very seriously. He, I mean, he recalls the past mistakes he's made as a vampire Pretty casually, I would say he doesn't really have a problem recalling them to memory, even though he murdered people. So, like, it doesn't surprise me that Emmett feels this way. But knowing how close and friendly he gets with Bella and how much he, I don't know if I would say respects her, but appreciates her and goes out of his way to protect her and be on Edward's side. I don't think it necessarily changes how I feel about him or think about him. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I was just curious. 
So then after that class, Bella meets up with Edward again and he drives her home. And this is the part where she goes into this long description of Phoenix. And I'm not going to go over all of it. Um, Phoenix is a beautiful place. I, I think we talked about this when we covered Twilight. I really liked it. I thought I was going to go to college there for a hot second. Obviously, I didn't. But um, I did have one thought about this whole section, which is like, it's just sad to me that like, if Bella chose this life with Edward, it would take her away from this place that she clearly loves so much, you know, because he says himself he can't go there because the sun shines too much. That is very true. And I mean, to, to an extent, when you start a relationship with someone, you kind of start a new chapter in your life that might mean moving away to a completely different place it might not necessarily mean that but in a way you start a new version of yourself um so if Bella were to be with Edward she would have to deal with that but it is very sad that she would like if she became a vampire or if she didn't she wouldn't be able to enjoy all of the normalcies of Arizona that she loves so much. Like, yeah, it's you can look at a saguaro at the nighttime, but it's not going to have the same effect that where you can see everything during the day and all this and that. So, like, I feel I feel like I kind of understand, like, well, you kind of have to give a little bit up here and there when you're starting something new with someone, but it is very disappointing that she literally can never enjoy the things that she so fondly does with Edward kind of ever. Yeah. So after they talk about this for a while, um, Edward reminds her that Charlie will be home soon. And they have this self-referential discussion about Twilight <laughs> that I was rattled about in the first book and Paige liked. And also, so I skipped over this a little bit, but do you think it's sad that like Bella doesn't have her room at, in Arizona anymore that her mom was just like bye yes I 100% think that's sad my mom is in the process of she converted my sister's room into an office and my room is in the process of becoming a guest room and I haven't lived at home in this will be my seventh year and I'm upset about it <laughs> yeah it's tough man it's, it's brutal Look, those walls need to be lime green until the day I die. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. Um, so, anyways, as I was saying, Charlie's about to show up, so Edward knows he has to get out of there. But before he can do so, who should roll up but Jacob and Billy Black? So, Edward is immediately tense about it for obvious reasons. Um, it's funny because Jacob is so just, like, on... Jupiter like he's thinking about the car and he's like oh my god there's Bella and meanwhile his dad is like <laughs> basically which understandable I'm not making fun of him because he has no idea up to this point that his best friend's daughter is hanging out with what he considers to be pure evil and Jacob has no idea that anything any of the elders are talking about is remotely real yes even though he's the one out here spreading rumors <laughs> Ugh, Jacob. <laughs> God. So, what what are your overall impressions of this scene, of Billy's reaction to Edward, of Edward's reaction to Billy? What, what do you think about this? It just seems really intense, and it 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 made me feel like I'm I'm gonna learn more. I don't know. I just felt like. There are hostilities there that I don't quite know everything about yet. Like, Billy is literally the whole time worried that they're going to be attacked. Like, oh, he's driving away now. Like, things are safe now. I don't know. Am I allowed to turn my back? I don't know. And Edward is like, well, they're probably on the outside of town now. Like, I just, it seems like they're both, like, ready to fight. And Edward's like, well, this is peaceful ground. Like, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm allowed to be here. We don't have to worry about breaking the rules or anything. It just seems like things are very, very tense. And I mean, all I know at this point is that they just kind of have this agreement that, you know, the Collins aren't going to go on their land and 
I'm assuming it goes both ways. I don't really know. But that was kind of all that was communicated in Twilight. And you don't really know that much more. Because, like, in this part in Twilight, Edward's, like, a complication. And then she gets out of the car and he drives away. And that's all you know. But here you see, you know, Billy's mind going a mile a minute. Everyone's really tense. It's like, this. I feel like it's way more intense than I originally thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. While we're on the subject, I was going to ask you about a specific thing on page 287. Um, Edward is just kind of thinking about what might happen if Billy decides to act in any way. Um, he says that Bella is waiting for a breach, is the word that he use, uses. And obviously one never comes and the Blacks go home. Um, so this is where he's kind of ruminating on the whole situation. It's towards the bottom. As they drove past the point where I could hear them, I felt fairly sure that there was no new danger. Billy would follow the rules. What choice did he have? If we broke the treaty, there was nothing the old men could actually do about it. They'd lost their teeth. If they broke the treaty, well, we were even stronger than before, seven instead of five. Surely that would make them careful. What do you think about this whole, like, they'd lost their teeth? Like, what do you think that means? I remember reading that and feeling like... Perhaps there's some sort of loss of their supernatural power. I mean, I I read it very literally that they lost their teeth, meaning like they didn't, they couldn't beat wolves anymore. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really know how their supernatural powers work, but I, li I got the literal impression that the elders couldn't do anything about it, that they physically could not help protect the people in their tribe. Okay, yeah, I was just curious on your prediction on that, because you will get an answer. Um, so I was just curious what your thought was on it. Um, one other thing that I wanted to go over about this scene is, <laughs> this is like the definition of, honey, you got a big storm coming, because um, he's, Edward is just listening into this whole situation unfold and he watches as Jacob hangs out with Bella in the kitchen. And these, these are his exact words, folks, bottom of page 286. The boy followed Bella as she escaped to the kitchen. Ah, his infatuation was clear in his every thought, but it was not hard to listen to his mind the way it was with Mike Newton or her other admirers. There was something very engaging about Jacob Black's mind, pure and open. It reminded me a bit of Angela's, only not so demure. I felt suddenly sorry that this particular boy was born my enemy. His was the rare kind of mind that was easy to be inside. Restful, almost. Honey, you about to hate his motherfucking guts. You have no idea. I, as a reader, I really enjoyed that part because it made me excited to get to know Jacob more as a character. As Edward, I was like, I'm pretty sure this whole series is built around you guys hating each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. I gotta, I gotta think that Stephanie Meyer had a laugh when she wrote that, because I would have. That was her. That's what the, that's what the kids call dramatic irony. <laughs> yep. So after this whole situation, um, Edward decides to go see Carlisle at the hospital because he has a late shift. He just wants to warn him about what happened. And they agree that there's really nothing that they can do. And there's nothing really that the Quilliots can do. Um, and so it's a pretty short scene, but I just wanted to make sure that we went over it. Then at the end, Carlisle asks Edward to go home because as May misses him, which if you think about it, he probably hasn't been home like other than to change his clothes for like, I don't know how long now. Probably, I'm trying to think the last time we talked to Esme, because I feel like you only ever see her in the Cullen home. Like Carlisle, you see at the hospital. The last time we saw her, I think was at the family meeting where they talked. Yeah, which was a while ago. Yeah, I mean, he was at the house at the end of the last chapter talking to Rosalie, but you just get the sense that he doesn't stay very long. Like he goes, he drops off his shit and then he leaves again. I was, in that chapter, I was picturing him going home simply for that interaction. Yeah, I do feel kind of bad for Esme. Kind of sad. 
So it's good, though, because Edward spends the evening with her and it sounds like she kicked everybody else out. It's funny (laughs) because she's like, get out. (laughs) Um, So they just have this kind of lovely conversation. It's very motherly. And she asks him how he is doing. And he says it's up and down. Um, And Esme says, and when I say says, almost everything she actually says is just in her brain. They're having this weird half conversation that Paige hates so much. (laughs) She's rolling her eyes. Um, She, so Esme says, she, meaning Bella, causes you pain. And Edward says, I cause my own pain. It's not her fault. And Esme says, it's not your fault either. Edward says, I am what I am. And Esme says, that's not your fault. So Edward says, you blame Carlisle? No, do you? No. Then why blame yourself? So to himself, Edward thinks, I didn't have a ready answer. Truly, I did not resent Carlisle for what he had done. And yet, didn't someone have to be to blame? Wasn't that person me? I thought this was very interesting. Do you think someone has to be to blame here? I think I know your answer, but I'm curious. I feel like technically, yes, but this far along with the relationship that they've built with one another, it is fine that no one blames anyone and that they've all sort of come to terms with it and have dealt with it. Um, But I, I think technically, yes, there is someone to blame if you had to do the math. But I mean, they have, it's not like, it's not like Carlisle turned Edward and then left and then just left Edward to do his own thing. Like they have a relationship. He has a family, people to be with and take care of him. They've, they all are close with each other. I, and at this point it's like a hundred years down the line, like they've probably all come to terms with it. So my answer is technically yes, but I think that it's fine that no one blames anyone. One of my most defining characteristics is that I hold a grudge like none other. And I, I really think I align with Rosalie on this one because I'm like, yeah, someone does have to be to blame. And that person is Carlisle. Like he did this. He chose to do this. He didn't ask for permission. He couldn't have gotten it either way because Edward was so incapacitated, as was everyone else he turned. And I don't know. It just bothers me because and it's hard, too, because if Edward, if Carlisle had never turned Edward, he would never have met Bella. But he wouldn't be sad about it because he wouldn't know it. He would have. He would be dead. It makes me wonder, like, is Edward saying no one is to blame because, be, because he's kind of been ingrained to think that? Like, I, I definitely agree with you. And me, myself, like, if it were me, I would hold someone accountable. I'm like, when I was answering the question, I was trying to put myself in Edward's shoes, I guess, trying to like see where his brain was coming from. Like, is he just thinking that because he's been with them for so long? And I don't want to say Stockholm syndrome, but like that idea where it's like, these people have loved me for so long and have done this and this, that's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess I understand the choices. Like, I guess, I guess it's fine. But like us from the outside can be like, is it though? Is it? I don't know if it's that fine. Yeah. And the most interesting thing is, it's not that he thinks no one is to blame. He thinks he is to blame. He himself, which is a deeply disturbing worldview because he did nothing to choose this or cause it in any way. Exactly. It's If it's anything, it's backwards. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, that's an interesting question that you pose about, like, is he ingrained to think that? I think that Edward doesn't have much to believe in because he's clearly not, well, we don't know, but it doesn't seem like he's religious because he always just talks about, like, how much of a monster he is. He never references God or anything. And he does reference hell, so maybe he believes in that. (laughs) But um, I just think that Edward needs something to believe in. And if he lost Carlisle, like, if he allowed himself to put the blame on Carlisle where I personally and you also think it belongs, it would ruin him and it would ruin his relationship with Carlisle. So I think that's why he refuses to do it. And also this family is, 
I don't want to say all that he has, but I would say it's about 90 to 95% of what he's had for the majority of his 117 year old life. Um, If he were to come to terms with that and lose that anchor, what would he do for the rest of his immortality? What literally, what would he do? You have to deal with that for literally forever and have nowhere to go and no one to be with and everything that you've come to know is not true anymore. It just, it would be, it would be devastating. Yeah, it would. I definitely don't blame him for not wanting to blame Carlisle. Like, I'm not trying to shame him for being like, you're stupid. It's just like, it's a tough situation for anyone to be in. And it's easy for us on the outside to be like, yeah, you did something wrong, Carlisle. It's different to be on the inside and be like, well, this person has done something wrong and I hold them accountable for that. And I'm upset with it when it's like a family member or someone you love, you know, it's a different situation. Yeah, absolutely. So then Esme asks if Bella makes Edward happy. And she says, yes, or he says, yes, when I'm not getting in my own way. Then Esme privately to herself, which she knows isn't to herself, is like, what would happen if Bella dies? I mean, I don't blame her for thinking it because you can't like, you can't control your thoughts. You know, they just come to you. And, but it's tough because obviously Edward hears it. And she apologizes and Edward doesn't seem mad. He seems more mad at at himself for this being a possibility. And he says, I don't know how how I moved past that. I can't see anything, nothing past that. And Esme tries to convince him that he won't do that. And they talk briefly about the bet. Then Esme says, you you wouldn't be so cruel as to keep her from me, would you? Which I feel like was such a mom line. I don't know, I thought it was sweet. Yeah, especially, I mean, not especially. I feel like it would only be a mom who's excited to not only see their child be happy with someone, but also genuinely be excited to meet the person who is making their child happy and get to know that person too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this whole time Edward's been playing the piano for Esme. Well, he stopped a few times just so that they could talk. And they just have this nice moment where they're just hugging and he's playing. And then he gets up to go see Bella and Esme understandably asks, what do you do all night? (laughs) And he says, think and burn and listen. And um, she's like, I don't like that this causes you pain, meaning his thirst. And he says, that's the easiest part. It's nothing really. And then she asks what the hardest part is. And he says that he can't be human with her, that the best version is the one that is impossible, which is sad. It is... (laughs) It is really, 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 really sad. (laughs) And then Edward tells Esme that everything will be all right, and she agrees with him. And then the last few sentences of the chapter are, I laughed again without humor, but I would try to prove my mother right. So that's the end. Did you have any notes we didn't cover? Nope, we got over the... I honestly only had a few this, this section because I thought it was good. I didn't really take a lot of notes. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, for next week, we're going to actually be doing two chapters. So they are called Closer and Probability. Got any predictions? Oh, man. I feel like both of those were in Twilight. I don't think either of them were. It Closer makes me think that Edward is just getting more anxious to the day that he's going to be with Bella alone in the forest. Maybe, um, I still don't know what day of the week it is. I still don't know. Like, I don't know where he is time-wise, like, how close he is to that day. Because, like, my head is, like, maybe closer is the day that he goes hunting because he's getting closer to being with Bella. But I don't, this might be fucking Tuesday. I don't know. So, (laughs) so, I'm, maybe, I think it's just him coming to terms with he's getting closer to having to be his true authentic self with Bella and maybe being very nervous about that. Um, And then what was the other one called? Probability. That kind of 
sounds like it has something to do with the bet that's going on with the Cullen kids, like the probability of things happening. So maybe it has something to do with that. Is one of these chapters shorter than the other? The first one, if I recall correctly, is pretty short. Hmm. I'm gonna stick with my I'm gonna stick with my guesses. I closer, I mean, if it's a short chapter, then I feel like maybe something non-serious is going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. All right. I like those predictions. We had another quick and easy episode for y'all, but as we just said, we'll be covering two chapters next week. So we hope that you will tune in. We're so glad that you're here listening with us. Um, You know the spiel I got to do. The sponsors pay me to do it. And by the sponsors, I mean myself. So we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. We're on Twitter at Taft Pod. You can email us at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash TuesdaysAreForTwilight. And please, if you have the means to do it, support the Quileute tribe and their movement to move to safer ground for their tribe um, away from the flood area is... Um, it's called Quileute Move to Higher Ground, and the website is mthg.org. Paige, you got anything to add? I have a couple ideas in my head. Um, I'm going to do the one that I'm thinking first, and that's just remember to moisturize. You know, it's getting drier out there. It's, I mean, especially here in CO, you know, it is hot. It is, I mean, it's not hot. It is like 40 degrees outside. But just, just remember, drink some water and put some lotion on. <laughs> Can't hurt, right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all next week for chapters 14 and 15 of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. (laughs) 